Welcome to this special edition of the podcast, My Extraordinary Family. And it's a great joy uh, to be sitting here this afternoon with uh, David Tyler, who has just been appointed as the new Archdeacon of Dorchester. David, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, David, lovely to have the chance to chat. And I wonder if I could begin by asking you to tell uh, us something of your story. Have you always been a vicar? Uh, did you come to faith in childhood or, or late in life? Uh, tell me the story of your calling. So um, I grew up in a family where my parents would have said they were Christians, um, but they didn't regularly go to church. Mm. And um, it was a story of friendship, really, at school. A couple of friends, one was the son of a Baptist minister, mm -hmm. and the other one, um, my best friend, both were engaged in church. And just over time, um, through going to a mission, um, through being invited to church, gradually I started to be a part of church, mm -hmm. started to go along, and then over time I came to faith. Um, so um, I've been a Christian since uh, around the age of 15. Uh -huh. And um, uh, from university, I, I got involved in uh, the chaplaincy there. Yeah. And then um, went on. My life took me uh, to become a chartered accountant. Mm -hmm. Worked in London for yeah. um, 10 years. And uh, that's where I met Catherine, my wife. Mm -hmm. We met at church at St. James's in Muswell Hill. Yeah. And then we're married in St. James's in Muswell Hill later on. Okay. Was that where Michael Bunker was the vicar? Uh, it was, uh, Catherine was there under Michael Bunker. Okay. I was there under Alex Ross. I remember visiting Michael when I was a cure and finding out about the small group ministry of St. James and really enjoyed that. Sorry, I died from hiding my words. So uh, St. James's was my sending church. And they were sending two or three people a year uh, to ordain ministry. And I went to train at Wicklow Hall, just in Oxford, in Oxford Diocese. And then when I came to do a curacy, um, a London Diocese, where I'd been sent from, had um, uh, far too many um, people in training, not so many jobs. And so I went and found uh, the most amazing place to do a curacy in Leicester Diocese. And it was, it was great as somebody was coming to a church where... Um, they were reintroducing small groups, right. um, reintroducing um, uh, um, sort of faith back into aspects of the church, which was fantastic. And um, I, I had a very happy four years there. It was uh, Market Town and some uh, rural churches all the way up to East Midlands Airport. I'm quite diverse in what I was doing and allowed a free reign, which mm. was, was great. Um, and then... I was looking for an incumbency, and Amber and Freeland in West Oxfordshire came up. Mm. And when I first saw it, I was away with friends. Uh, uh, we were meeting as a cell group and away on retreat, and we borrowed their church times. I opened mm. it up, and I saw Amber and Freeland, and I just said to my, my friends, I can't go there. I was on placement there. I can't go there. Indeed. And they persuaded me to think you know, about it, and I had a really happy um, 13 years. 13 years in Hammer and Freeland, so really significant experience of incumbency. What did you love most about being a vicar? I loved some of the things that I don't do in my current role now. Um, so I loved um, going into schools. Um, I loved um, running alpha courses and, and other courses as well. Um, I, I loved seeing people come to faith and... Um, 
it was just such a fantastic opportunity there to be um, part of two relatively small communities where I was known by most of the people in the community. Mm. And just the opportunities that afforded me as a Christian, as as the minister in the churches, uh, was just fantastic. And by the time I, I left, I, I had so many opportunities um, that were available to me. Fantastic. Uh, and what were the most uh, frustrating and challenging things uh, uh, over that period? Um, I think um, the best thing about being there was the people, a fantastic group of people. Um, and sometimes, inevitably, you have difficulties with people, I think, as well. And so there were a small uh, few occasions where some of the, the, the challenges were around um, dealing with people and trying to find a positive way forward. Um, and then I had also some fantastic church buildings, uh, a grade one listed building, a grade two star, and another building. Um, they were fantastic opportunities. But then, as anybody knows who looks after historic buildings, they're, they're quite a significant challenge as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, archdeacons have a hugely demanding role, David, and uh, also archdeacons don't always have the best uh, public image, if you think of the archdeacon. In Rev is the one that always comes to mind, black gloves and black taxis. Entirely undeserved in my experience of archdeacon. But despite all of that, what is it that led you to respond to God's call to to be an archdeacon at this time? Um, for years, people have been saying you should be an archdeacon because I was a chartered accountant previously. I think of me. They've they've seen that aspect of me uh, as an area dean. I really enjoyed that extra um, challenge to my ministry as well and enjoyed being able to help people and see um, churches flourish. So I'm really surprised in a way to become an archdeacon because it takes me away from parish ministry, which I've really enjoyed. Um, but it also allows me the benefit of being able to help churches to move to a, a position where they can once again flourish, or flourish a bit better, um, to help them through some of the problems that they face perhaps, um, a key part of my role is appointments and getting the right person in the right place is just a joy when you see their ministry. Um, so it's more a vicarious ministry, perhaps, um, sometimes, um, that I'm helping people to help themselves. Um, a friend of mine um, talked of the archdeacon's job as being the arch of deacons, that we are there to help everybody else. Yes. And I really like that model of ministry. Yeah, brilliant. That's fantastic. And obviously you know the Dorchester Archdeacon in the diocese really well, having not only had 13 years at Hamburg and Freedom, but then had several years as an assistant archdeacon and now acting archdeacon. Um, we've clearly been through the most demanding of times and with the pandemic and everything else, which is now going on. Um, what are the things that encourage you as you look across the Dorchester Archdeaconry? I think I look to the people. We have some fantastic clergy. We have some fantastic church wardens and lay people. And the gifts that they bring are just incredible. Um, I, I see how God is moving in very surprising ways sometimes. Uh, the pandemic, as you say, has been a real uh, difficulty for the church. And yet 
um, out of that, our outdoor services seem to be thriving. Um, we seem to be reconnecting with uh, toddlers and, and younger children and their families. And um, in the cost of living crisis, some of the things that are coming out of that around being able to offer warm hubs, helping people um, through the difficulties that they're facing. And the church is an amazing organization, and especially in our diocese and Dorchester area, is that we are so local. We have um, churches in almost every single community, and it's just um, a, an incredible um, possibility to be able to respond to those needs very, very quickly. Mm. Um, and I know recently when um, we've had some uh, asylum seekers moving into um, our area, um, the county council have been very pleased with how quickly the churches have been able to react because we've been there for hundreds, thousands of years um, and and just um, we are able to respond very, very quickly um, and have so many volunteers um, as as a pool of people to call. And one of the things you've been very concerned about recently has been digital inclusion during the pandemic. What, what have you been doing there? So I had some amazing uh, opportunities that just lined up um, where I was talking to some charity leaders um, across Oxfordshire. And one of the things that was on our hearts um, was the difference that digital devices were making to families during the pandemic. So we saw especially some of the children from poorer families um, falling behind because as school moved online, um, either some of the poorer families didn't have digital devices or they were sharing digital devices. Um, perhaps um, the parents were some of the parents who were out working, so out of the house physically. So the gap in education between poorer and richer families um, grew during the pandemic. And uh, I was uh, just one uh, leader uh, uh, that was alongside some of the people who were much more adept at doing this. But because of my passion, I got involved in uh, an organization called Getting Oxfordshire Online, which does a fantastic job of uh, taking digital devices that people uh, don't need anymore and are sometimes worried about what they need to do with it because of their personal data. There are some amazing young people who work on these digital devices to repurpose them. And then those devices um, go out to people who need them. Um, at the moment, there's a big call from Ukrainian refugees. Um, as um, as they've moved into the area, um, they need digital devices. A lot have gone to Afghan refugees. And as I said um, earlier, um, a lot have gone to school children as well. And those devices go out uh, with training and with data so that people can get online and uh, they won't be just left with a device that they don't know what to do with. That sounds brilliant. Uh, and, and what do you like to do when you're not being an uh, acting archdeacon? Um, I really enjoy getting out in my garden. Uh -huh. So if I've had a difficult phone call or something, I'll wander outside and pick, pull up a few weeds. Yeah. Um, we have a cocker spaniel who's 10 who needs a lot of walking. Um, so that's good for me I love to get out and with a bit more time on my hands we like uh, walking in the hills so mm -hmm. Catherine my wife and I 
and enjoy going to the Brecon Beacons or perhaps further afield. Fantastic, fantastic. Have, we have a vision as a diocese, as you know, uh, to be a more Christ-like church for the sake of God's well, more contemplative, more compassionate, more courageous. Um, how are you wrestling with and living out those qualities at the moment? Thank you. Um, I, I find it a vision um, that is really helpful to me. It's not just a vision that I accept and I'm trying to live out. It's actually really helpful to me. Um, in terms of uh, contemplative, uh, I find um, that prayer throughout my day, at the beginning of my day, is so important. Without it, I know my day won't go so well. So the, the contemplation um, is critical to what I do, and, and that includes making sure I, I find time for retreat and making time um, uh, make, making time to be able to go to church and, and all of those things where I'm connecting with God, but also through my day as well, um, going into meetings, making sure we pray during those meetings, committing what we're doing to God. So the contemplative side is really important. Uh, the courageous side, I think, has become probably more prominent as uh, uh, an associate archdeacon and, and now moving towards being an archdeacon. Sometimes um, we have to deliver messages that people don't want to hear. And sometimes we have to do things that are difficult. Um, but I think you can do it in different ways. And I think if you can do it in a compassionate way, then that's um, often much better received. And... For me, the church is all about compassion. It's sharing God's love and um, uh, sharing um, with those who particularly need it. And, and so I see compassion wherever I go within the church. Amazing things that the church does. Um, and, and that's a really important part of my role. And is there anything, David, that uh, you'd like people to be particularly praying for for you in this next period of ministry? Thank you. Um, yes, I think um, a really important thing to pray for me is that I don't lose touch with um, the church on the ground. Um, I, I'm sure I won't, but I really don't want to. Um, this role in some ways takes me further away from, from the church. Um, the church is, is the lifeblood of all that we do and does so many incredible things locally. And I want to be getting out to be able to see the church in all its glory. Um, so I think a key prayer for me is just over my diary that there are times to be able to, to get out to see um, the church thriving. Brilliant. It sounds like you're open to lots of invitations. I certainly am. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Uh, and finally, before I ask you to pray for the diocese, um, what are the one or two things that you'd say to uh, the church warden or the lay minister or the uh, um, incumbent who's just as at the end of their energy and uh, uh, looking for hope and guidance? Where would you point them? Um, I think I'd say pick up the phone to me, please. I'd love a conversation to see some of the challenges you're facing. Um, often sharing a problem, I found, is really important. And sometimes there are solutions that people just don't know about. And that's part of my role, is connecting uh, the parishes and, and people who are doing fantastic jobs to some of the things 
um, that we can offer as a diocese that we the support we can do. So please share it, please pray about it, and please share it with others as well. Um, and uh, I, I would want to see that as a key part of my role as to moving people to a better place. David, thank you. And, and um, you carry, I know, the prayers of the diocese as you take up this major new responsibility. And thank you so much for being willing to uh, step in uh, to this role. And as we finish, David, would you pray for the diocese? Thank you. Father God, I thank you for our diocese. I thank you for the many blessings that you give us day by day, for the resources we have here. And Father, I pray for your blessing upon us as we seek to be the church that you want us to be, as we seek to reach out to those in need with compassion, as we seek to be courageous with the gospel, as we seek to dwell close to you through our contemplation. Father, I pray that you would be always guiding us and may everything we do be to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. David, uh, thank you so much for, for being part of this extraordinary family and God bless you in this next stage of ministry. Thank you very much.